This is an unusual episode. It was recorded a few weeks before the uprisings began, and it's part of a larger conversation meant to continue from episode 14 with Roderick Surso. Uh, I speak with Mary Jo Abinasif, the wife of Abdullah Slam, who was interviewed for episode 6 regarding the subject of civil marriage, secularism, and the debate between secular and sectarian governance. I've taken a small piece from that conversation that touches exactly on that issue, whether or not sectarian rule can survive this uprising. Of course, it's recorded before the uprising began, but the debate at its core is actually delivered within 20 minutes. So I've included that portion of the conversation for this episode. The main subject of the conversation, which is civil marriage, it'll be shared at a later date. And both Mary Jo and I agreed that it's not really the right time for the larger episode, but it'll come out later. In the meantime, Mary Jo eloquently delivers a call for a secular state, an overthrow of the old confessional power-sharing model we've lived in for all of Lebanon's independence, its French mandate, and Ottoman rule before, and Mary Jo's personal relationship with the Lebanese army, an institution her father fought for, and what that kind of unifying institution means for her directly. And given all that's happening on the streets of Beirut right now, it's all the more relevant. For episode 20, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan. For us, it's... It's a milestone towards building a civil country that respects the rights of its citizens, that it respects the existence and the fundamental rights of its citizens. But it's also a milestone yeah. in building a country uh, that offers a common identity, an oasis of secularism in a Middle East that's torn apart by sectarianism. Traditions and the institutions and the system that overwhelms a building of a state that you're calling for, anyone in your position would want. They're old, they're entrenched, and they're very visible in 2019. They interfere not just in civil marriage, they interfere in other things. I mean, these institutions do uh, intervene and get their way. I don't think there's any... They shouldn't be getting their way. There is something called the state and its institutions and its laws. There's something bigger that is intervening in issues where the state says it's none of our concern. The state is not on your side. The system, the old traditions of the country, seem to outlast not just our generation, but generations to come. It doesn't look like they're fading anytime soon. And I want to get your opinion on that. 2019. I don't want them to fail. I'm not against religious authorities in any way. They have their own rights as well to freedom of expression, to uh, cater to their uh, base, uh, to people who are administratively registered under uh, certain sects. You're calling but, on the state to challenge the system, in effect. You're, you're asking the state... No, no, no. I'm not even asking the state to challenge anything. Mm-hmm. The laws are there. So you want the state to stand up? Oh yeah, for sure. Assume it's 
responsibilities. Oh, of course, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying there is. Uh, it's only until we start pointing fingers and that you know institutions and people who are in charge of them take ownership of their decision. I want the institutions to step up and to take ownership of uh, of their actions. Yes, that's exactly my goal. Don't you think that every situation in Lebanon ends up in the same crossroad? A An issue that is too big for the state is not touched. Whether it's arms or whether it's civil marriage, whether it's anything. It could be censorship by, by a certain religious group. It could be the weapons, weapons of a non-state militia. It could be anything, anything that the state does not function for many reasons beyond the state's control. Is that a fair assessment? They can't operate the way that maybe people like you or people like me or anyone else that wants a sovereign secular state. They're not able to reach that goal. Okay, so uh, let's make this distinction yeah. here. There are definitely it's, it's certain prejudice, social prejudice, prejudice of the system. That's, yes, yeah. on every single side. Yeah. I, it's not. It's not only one uh, religion yeah. or sect in Lebanon that's responsible for it. It's sure. from every side. Yeah. There are social prejudices that are. Yeah. It's there. It's yeah. embedded. You need to challenge it. You need to spread information. Sure. That's yeah. something mm-hmm. that needs to be dealt with. Yeah. But on the other side. There is the state and its institutions and its mechanisms that can be properly working yeah. to also help these social, this social prejudice yeah. evolve uh, yeah. and disappear. There is a state, there are institutions, there are laws, there are mechanisms in place that should be used for the state uh, to reinforce and claim its sovereignty. They a, can actually yeah. do it. You are a Christian, even if you're not a practicing Christian. I, I am a practicing Christian. So th- you are a practicing Christian. And I'm very Christian. proud of it. Sure. And, it's, and it's very different. Then that's a very fundamental issue, uh, issue. It's very different being a believer and, uh, and a practicing yeah. Christian or Muslim or whatever, yeah. and this belongs to your personal sphere, yeah. and it's not contradictory in the least to the kind of relationship and the kind of laws that you want to be subject to that are secular, and the kind of rela- the direct relationship that you want to be with with the state. The state doesn't care though how religious you are. That, that's the that's the situation. So, I mean, the system, I don't think, cares how Christian or how Muslim one person is. It's the old power-sharing idea that, for whatever reason, Lebanon holds onto firmly. It's the stamp on your ikhraj aid that defines you from the minute you're born. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, your your quest is... And that's why I removed reference to sect. It's a way of saying, I want my relationship with the state um, to be direct without any medium. Yeah. I, want a, I want to build a common identity. I want to help build a, a state that's reclaiming, strengthening its sovereignty I and the sovereignty of its institutions. That's a common theme of hope. Hope, because that's maybe the Hope final. doesn't mean that you don't see the problems. Sure, sure. At all. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you are... 
living in La La Land and just like thinking that things will go better. Yeah. Reinforce and claim its sovereignty. They a, can actually yeah. do it. It's a perfect transition from your current uh, political goal to your personal story. And I think your, uh, your determination to see a Lebanon that does not exist right now come to existence some, someday, uh, I'm going to just openly guess that this is not an accidental uh, situation. You didn't just wake up a few months ago and say, you know what, I'm going to fight the state and get my way and that's it. I'm guessing it's something much bigger than that. And I want to explore your personal story. As a child, you, you, you believed in a, that one entity in Lebanon that perhaps is, it's not shielded the way it should be, but it does have some authority. There is some authority in the yeah. Lebanese army. Maybe it's not at the way we would want There is it to definitely be. authority. There is also, um, um, there is also a, a, a very big sense of belonging among army members. Yeah. Uh, of all sects, of all religion, they really believe in this institution. So you, you, as a child, as a daughter, as a girl in Lebanon, you wanted to be the first army commander. <laughs> At some point it crossed my mind, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And can I, and is, this, is, is this simply by living in an army household? Did you see things that you found rewarding as a, as a child, that this is something that you should aspire to? Because I don't, I think it's... It's more out of patriotism, patriotism. yeah. Uh, it's definitely uh, more out of patriotism. Uh, a real, real patriot, a very, very principled man. And I grew up in this, uh, this environment where we, like, we really have this very strong sense of belonging to the country. He, he really fought all and went through all Lebanese wars. And um, this country mean, means so, so much to him. So he saw the sectarian uh, tensions up front. I mean, he was... A, he's Absolutely. And it was, like, uh, disheartening. It was, uh, it was very hard for him at times, especially yeah. during the war when, like, Friends and colleagues, you know, would desert the army to join yeah. another armed uh, an force. Army, he was a general uh, in the years leading up to the war. Did he stay in the army even as it sort of splintered and eventually pretty much went, to, to, fell apart? Was he still in the army in the first months of the war? He, he was during all wars. He stayed, like he, he stayed in the Lebanese army. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. So even... The worst times of Lebanese history. Yes, and and yeah. he was in charge of the uh, Ministry of Economy during the war. So this of is the late, ministry late of, 80s. 88, late 89. 80s, late 80s. Late yeah. 80s, but he he also went through the 1958 war, so it was that long of a stretch. Oh, he served in 58. Yeah, he was serving in 58 as well. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. So... Um, but he rode many waves of Lebanese army history. Yes. Because he saw, I mean, he served in its... Prime? Yes. The, the glory years? Yes, the glory years. He also served in the not-so-glory years, too. Unfortunately. Uh, do you have any personal anecdotes, maybe, that you remember as a child? Him, him explaining the state or the army to you? Because I want to I I see your world as a child in the 1980s, 1990s. 
I was too young. I was too young. I was one year. I was one year old in 1989. You were, <laughs> so. Okay, but, but so you, you grew up in the 90s, but you're. You grew up in the immediate post-war years. So you're, I mean, these are not necessarily, these are not good years either for Lebanese history. And no. And still the Syrian armies in Lebanon, the Israeli armies in the south. And the war is not, do you have any, uh, I don't know, is the pride of the state and, and maybe the army too from stories of years before your time that you heard your father sharing with you? Like where, where does this real deep, belief in the state come from? So yes, it was definitely stories of the years of glory of the army, mm. for sure. Yeah. But also disillusioned. Like even in the mm. years of glory, I heard the, you know, the positive side, the negative yeah. side. Yeah. Uh, I heard yeah. everything. Right. Uh, so it's as much as there's this uh, sense of belonging and this, uh, this will to fight for a better Lebanon uh, that guided my dad's uh, mission throughout his years in, in the army, including when he was uh, yeah. uh, he, he was captured by the Israelis and he was in, in he was a political uh, prisoner for uh, for a year there. Um, this is during the invasion, the Israeli invasion? before the invasion. Before, it was in 1973. Before. Oh, before the war. Even before the war. Sorry, he was kidnapped by the Israelis. Yes, in 1973. In, in Lebanon. In Lebanon. And he was taken. He was taken um, um, with other people, yeah, in captivity. What incident was this related to? It was uh, a long story, but wow. it was a yeah, it was an incident at the border uh, within, yeah. obviously the the Lebanese border. Yeah. Um, they were attacked by the uh, by the Israelis and. He get he. Proud an army. Taken, released back to his country as it's falling apart true i mean it's he returns to a country that's literally on the brink yeah but he was he was able to give you both sides the yeah he was able to uh, to get, he, he was a very realistic uh person uh and he he gave me like you know uh a real idea of what was what was it like but never w w without even for a second losing the sense of um, of the goal, like no matter what, what, what we was lived. That, what was that goal exactly? The, the, state, uh, the, the state building a real state, a, a real sovereign state. Uh, yeah. um, you know, with all its mighty, <laughs> without its mighty powers, just uh, just because it's the only way. That kind of passion for the state in the nineteen nineties. You growing up as a child. I mean, you're living in post-war Lebanon. Post-war Lebanon is a directly linked to the civil war. It's still occupation, it's still mismanagement, it's corruption. Yeah, Syrian and Israeli occupation were hard to and swallow. And were Leban very, very hard to swallow. Sure, and the Lebanese, even the Lebanese, I mean, domestic problems were huge, right? So it's not like everything was... It's not a, it's not a normal post-war situation. It's a post-war almost devolution going to a, maybe yeah. a, a sadder state. Did he still carry that passion with him that the state deserves more most of the time most of the time <laughs> i yeah. mean yeah because it's uh was he still in the army after the war ended no he no. uh he went on um retirement i believe in 1990 
Oh, so as the war ends. As the war ends. That is a, that is a remarkable career. You serve your state when your state is literally collapsing before your eyes. Uh, and the last years of war were very, very, very tough for him. These are complicated years too, right? It's not like of a, course, yeah, but he yeah. did not treat them as such. Yeah, not only for a second. In all of these like toughest years, when he was actually in charge of like feeding the population and uh, uh, and making sure that every like yeah. every population is receive is receiving its flour and like Which is water, a, whatever. These are the, like the core of the state. He right? did not compromise for a second mm. on his principles. Yeah. Even when it was about to cost him his life, and he and I know that in the army there is this uh, very famous saying: "Nafis You uh, you you first execute and then you you, uh, you complain about it. Right. Uh, he was a rebel in a way, and he uh, he actually uh, made his voice heard and uh, costed him his. Uh, um, his progression in the army, even in, when it cost him sometimes friends, never. That's why when you tell me you give, you should give them benefit of the doubt, I don't. Because uh, yeah. Yeah. when you are a public servant, you either do your job or you resign. Because you're not responsible uh, for your own self. You're responsible for a country. You're responsible for a state. You represent the sovereignty of the state. Do you think of him as someone who stood on his own in the army? M- many times, yeah. yeah. But there are also wonderful people yes. always around sure. Sure. with whom you can also, we can have, who actually give you faith in yeah. this country and you can also build, you know, on, on their integrity, on their honesty, and it, it is possible. Your father also served in a sectarian entity. The Lebanese army is not a secular institution. It is, it is representing a secular goal, I think, which is bringing people together and neutralizing them, yeah. in a sense. Everyone's the same when you're fighting. It should be like that. But even in the Lebanese army, there's a hierarchy, and that is a sectarian hierarchy. Was your father... What Can you maybe share with me his, his personal view on that? Was that something that, to him, was a necessity? to keep people in the army together? Or did he think of the sectarian component in the army in itself a problem too? He thought of the sectarian problem uh, across the board in Lebanon, period, a period, period. as a problem. Yeah. So there's no benefit uh, to the But old, the funny, yeah. funny enough, you were talking about the glory days of the army that he used to tell me about. One of the, you know, glory, <laughs> yeah, like the way he described yeah sometimes those glory years is when you know they you wouldn't even ask if this person is a christian maronite or this person is yeah. sunni muslim or shia or like these were the glory years you know when yeah it didn't matter in the army yes so it didn't yeah. matter like there were times where it didn't matter your father i'm guessing his glory those glory years are particularly for edge have and those short years of late 1950s, early 1960s, where the state was being, the state was putting the old feudal ways on the back seat. And building the institutions. Building the institutions. I'm guessing you're holding everyone to your father's standards. And I will continue on doing so. Well, thank you so much. (laughs) 
Thank you so much. Short and straight to the point, 2019 may be the year Lebanon turns the page on confessional power sharing. Things are moving rapidly on the street, and different political leaders are making their different speeches, but the protesters are still demanding for an overthrow of the regime. New episodes will keep coming out regularly during this time. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider a contribution through Patreon. The details are in the details box below. Simply click on the Patreon link or go to our website, BeirutBanyan.com, and click on the Patreon button. This is an independent endeavor. Any contribution is appreciated. And to stay updated with new episodes as they're released, just subscribe to our podcast through your preferred podcast platform or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Until next time, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan.